1: or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
0: What we're actually going to do tonight is I'm going to talk for a few moments But then also, we're going to give you the opportunity to ask questions. We asked for some of you to be posting in your questions. We haven't really had any as of yet, but we're going to give you an opportunity tonight to ask your questions in person, or you can also text your questions in. So while we're speaking tonight, that's the texting number right there. And um, so you can text those in, and um, we can get those taken care of for you. And and then, because I want to answer every question, as many as we possibly can, because tonight I want to have this, our forgiveness debrief. We're going through a debrief tonight and just talking about the steps that we've overcome and and just everything that's happened as a result of this series. And it's been such a powerful series. Come on, I said it's been a powerful series. Who has enjoyed this series? I know personally I've had the experience to sit down with two people and just to hear their stories. And can I tell you, their stories are mind-blowing. Of what God has done and just the forgiveness that God has brought to their lives. And just the, the, just the change, just already, just the joy you see on their faces. And just the peace and the comfort that they have as a result of what God has done in their life. And it really works. Forgiveness works. It will really change your life. And I think one of the greatest things that we can ever do in our lives each and every year is to say, this year I'm going to live unoffended. That we can purpose that we're going to go through our lives each and every day unoffended because offense is never given, it's only received. We're the ones that choose to take it. We're the ones that choose to have it. Remember the scripture, Luke 17 verse 1 Look at the scripture. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible, Jesus says, that no offense. Is. In other words, turn to your neighbor, you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. Come on, you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. They're around us. The right, no. Look at your neighbor and say, right, no. You don't have the Right. But you'll have opportunities each and every day. But Jesus goes on to say, you're going to have opportunities. But watch out, you're not the one creating the opportunities. Don't be the one that's purposely bringing offense to other people around. It's absolutely amazing because if you will jump down a few verses, verse 5, look what the disciples said to Jesus and the apostles said to Jesus, increase our faith. We started with this the first week. Amazing that they're asking for their faith to be increased, not so they can do the miracles that Jesus did. They saw some incredible miracles. They could have said, God, would you give us that faith? We want to do that. Come on. Raising someone from the dead is pretty incredible. Anyone admit that? Agree with that? That would be incredible to do. They never asked, God, help us to do that. But when Jesus talked about avoiding offense and having forgiveness in your life, they threw their hands in the air and said, Jesus, you're going to have to help us with this. You're going to have to increase our faith. But it's not so much really having more faith because we have enough faith. What really the secret is this, making the right choices and taking that faith in the right way and in the right directions in our life. There are so many reasons why not to forgive. Come on, we could sit here for weeks, couldn't we? We could present so many reasons and we all know them because they don't deserve it. Anyone ever said that? I'm just going to make them because they hurt me and I want them to hurt. I want them to feel the pain. Why? I don't want to forgive them because if I forgive them, it's going to make what they did right. Come on, we could go on and on and on and on with all the reasons why we shouldn't forgive. But we need to focus on the reasons why we need to forgive. Two reasons why we need to forgive. Are you ready? Number one, for your forgiveness. If you want to be forgiven, you better forgive. Come on, do I hear an amen or an ouch or something in the house? How do we know this? Mark eleven twenty six. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. If you want to be forgiven, you've got to forgive other people. Here's the second reason why you need to forgive. Are you ready? For your freedom? It brings freedom to your life. New Living Translation, Mark eleven twenty five. 25. But when you pray, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your sins too. There's a forgiveness and a freedom that comes as we release and give things to God, Remember, we've talked about this, but their sin against you. We, we came to a conclusion. We all agreed that we've been wronged. Everyone with me on that? Others have wronged us. They've said wrong things. They've, they've done wrong things against us. We've all been wronged. But if we don't watch, their sin can become our sin. Because their sin becomes our sin when we get it in our heart and we hold it in our heart. And then when we hold it in our heart... Their sin, which is their wrong, becomes my bad. Becomes my wrong. And now what do I need to do? I need to deal with it. How do I deal with sin in my life? I don't get the answer for sin and the deliverance from sin from someone else's sorry. So it's not really a a me and them issue, it's a me and him issue. Because my forgiveness comes because forgiveness really is one sided. I've got to make sure that I have it not in my heart so I've got to surrender my heart to God so I can have an open heart through repentance. I posted something on social media last week and I thought, wow, this is such a powerful statement. And it's this, life becomes easier when you learn to and accept an apology you never got. But they never said, sorry, get over it. You have to. Because if you don't, that will be over you. For the rest of your life. Forgiveness cancels the debt. Through forgiveness, there's breakthroughs. There's miracles. So right now, I know you've probably got some questions. And I hope that you have. And I hope that we can have some good answers for you. But I just want to go over the sheet again that we handed out on Sunday. We kind of raced through it Sunday, and I just want to go through it in a few more moments tonight and just expand a few things just to help you. Someone was confused with the notes on Sunday. They're like, man, your message didn't line up with it, but they gave up before the end, and we are using it again tonight. So we're going to look at seven things that forgiveness is, and then we're going to look at seven things that forgiveness is not. Is that okay? Okay. So we're going to start with what forgiveness is. Are you ready? So the first thing is this. If you've got a blank there, the first word is cancelling. It is cancelling a debt. Who does not have a sheet? You can put your hand up. We can make sure and get those to you. Please, if we can do that, fantastic. Keep your hand up nice and high and we can get that. It is cancelling of a debt. It's accepting that once and for all, Jesus paid the price on the cross for you. I wonder what your sin debt looked like. Even if you're the most holy person and you've done everything right, I wonder what your sin debt looked like. Let's just take one thing, lies. I wonder how many lies that you've told in your life. And if you say none, you just lied right there. I wonder how many lies are stacked against you. I wonder what the debt of just that one little part. And think however many areas of our life have other things and other areas in our life. It was a sin debt so great that you and I could not pay it. There was a penalty against us, a debt against us that we could not pay. So what did Jesus do? He paid the price for us. But what do we know about the debt? of unforgiveness. Forgiveness cancels that debt. So when we forgive other people, we cancel the debts that they have against us. It wipes the slate clean. I love that. Because if we don't forgive, God says you're going to have to pay the price again and you ain't going to be able to afford it. So forgiveness is cancelling a debt. Remembering what God has cancelled in your life I think helps many times when we're cancelling another's debt. Number two, it's removing that person's control. The word there is control over you. You may think, well, they don't control me. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Because many of us don't even realize it's it's happening. We've talked about this and don't want to kind of repeat myself, but we need to discuss and remind ourselves of this again. Most of the people who have wronged us, have offended us, and have hurt us, they're sleeping at night and they don't even realize they've done it. Their life has moved on, they're going, they're they're years ahead of you because they're already moved on. But yet, we're the ones that are bound. They have a control over us because if someone says their name or we hear their name or someone speaks to them, we're right back in that same place because we'll go straight back to that hurt. What is that? That's a control over your life. There's not a freedom in that situation and it's like a ball and chain, it's going to hold your life back you ever seen a dog on a leash? A dog can think he's getting somewhere, but he'll get to the end of his leash. And so many times, Satan wants to give us limited freedom to make us think that we're controlling our lives. But the reality is this. There's only two controls in our life, God and Satan. And Satan's on that leash. And we've got to make sure because we're given the control of our lives over to something else and someone else that God doesn't intend For us to have. Here's the third thing, what forgiveness is. It's a gift. The word there is gift. It's a gift for them and for you. Forgiveness releases both ways. I believe it's a greater gift for you. Because when eternity, you're talking about, that's a long time. That's a great gift to know that your sins are forgiven. But I think it's such a gift for them. We can take such a bondage off. You know what it's like to be in a rift with someone. That they're not sleeping good, maybe sometimes too. And when we forgive them, and we heal that situation, because God wants us to be a peacemaker, What is it? it's a gift for them too. That's why many times they say thank you. It's like, oh, thank you. It's a gift both ways. Number four, forgiveness is forsaking Revenge. The word there is revenge, revenge, revenge. I want them to suffer. I want them to hurt. I want them to feel the pain that no, no, forgiveness forsakes revenge. Why? Because it takes it out of your hands and places it in God's hands. Because we like to say this, what well, I'll show them. I'll show them. I'll show them. You you're not showing them anything. You're not showing that you're not proving anything to them. All you're doing is drinking poison and wanting them to die. And you're the one that's been showed up. You're the one that's suffering. You're the one that's under the show, not them. And we've got to remove all bitterness. Bitterness, someone said to me, What is bitterness? It's stored up resentment, anger, offense. All those things that stores up inside of us and it becomes and makes us bitter and it makes us more hurtful and more pain. And I'm telling you, bitterness will absolutely destroy your life. And bitterness doesn't just happen. It's a, it's a build-up of things over a period of times which is going to really affect your life. So forgiveness is forsaking that. It's saying, God, I trust you with that. God, you take care of that. Because I can't take care of it. I've tried and God, I've messed up. But God, I know that you've never messed up and you never will mess up. Number five, forgiveness is leaving the ultimate judgment. The blank there is judgment. Judgment to God. Romans 12, 19 reminds us that God says, vengeance is mine. God says, I'll handle it, I'll repay. In other words, God takes care of his own. God's got your back. I want you to know that God's got your back. But God can only have your back if He also has your face. Listen to me. He wants your face. He wants you to trust Him with your life. We're not placed in the position of judge. But so many times we want to be the judge. We want to put on the robe. We want to put on the powdered wig. We want to get the gavel out. Guilty. We want to be all that. But you know what God has called us to be in the courtroom. Not the judge, not the jury, but God has called us to be the witness. A witness to give an account of our lives and the story of our lives and who we are. Our witness and our example needs to be leading people to Christ. If we're so full of rage and bitterness and anger and and retaliation, I'm telling you right now, what is that going to show to other people? But when we leave God and say, God, you can handle it. And God, I trust you because I'm giving it to you. God will take care of it. And I'm telling you right now, God cannot excuse sin. So it's not like brushed under the carpet and God says, okay, forget that. Every sin of man's life has to be dealt with and has to be handled. Because God cannot excuse that. So when God says, I'll take care of it and handle it, you can trust Him with that. And He's got your best interests at heart. Number six. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. The word there, the blank, it's a process. There's a process that we go with. It has to start with a decision. It has to first be a decision. And that decision is immediate. But then we have to work through some things. I was talking with someone earlier today. And they were talking about never knowing their dad. Never having him in their lives. But two weeks ago. They let go of that whole situation and had an encounter and an experience with God that has left them completely changed. But yet, still, they live with the memories of what could have been. They're forgiven now and they've let go. But not to have that father figure, even in the future in their lives, they're going to say, man, if only I had a dad. There's a process still that we go through. Forgiveness has happened, but there's still a process because of what we've maybe lost or what we haven't had in our life. And that's why we talked about Paul talking about that forgiveness is like an exercise. We've got to work that thing out. We've got to keep working it out constantly work it out and keep that happening in our lives we've got to focus not on the past but on today forward can't change the past but today forward and we've got to keep working through that yes there's still hurts yes there's still longings yes there's still regrets but we've got to let go of those things overcoming those things instead of being bound to them. but there's a process a decision that involves a process our salvation experience is a decision that involves a process. The decision that we're saved, but then there's a sanctification that comes where God cleans up our lives and God changes us and helps us in our lives. Amen? And that, what, what number are we on? Number seven. Number seven. Here we go. You'll know you have forgiven someone when you want good. The word there is good for them. That's a tough one right there. You'll know you've forgiven someone if you can be in their presence or you can hear their name mentioned and all of a sudden the blood in your body's not boiling. And you may say right now, well, that will never happen. I'm telling you right now, forgiveness is a great healer. We can look from the other side of forgiveness and say that will never happen because I will always feel like that. I'm telling you, if you feel like that and you are saying that, that's because you haven't forgiven Remember, forgiveness then becomes a God thing in your life and God can do anything with your life. So we're thinking, I've got to make it right. You forgive, release it to God and God's going to help in the situation, in the equation and He's going to make it all right. And I'm telling you, you can pray because forgiveness is a healing. How many realizes forgiveness is a healing? But you know what else? I think there's another di- dimension that we have forgiveness, which is a healing. But then to live a life of thankfulness, I believe, can really make us whole. To live in a... Letting go of those things, but then having thankfulness in my heart. What do I mean by that? Anyone remember the story in the Bible of the ten lepers that came to Jesus? Here's the quiz. Are you ready? How many of the ten lepers were healed? Ten. Every one of them was healed. Is that correct? Jesus said, go and show yourself. And as they went, the Bible says, they were healed. Healed. They showed themselves to the priest. The priest said, man, you cleansed. Everything is good. But what do we know in the story? That wasn't the end. The healing wasn't the end because what else happened? There was only how many? One that came back and he came back thanking Jesus. And what happened as the result of his thankfulness? Jesus looked him square in the eyes and says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. That word there is sozo in the Greek. Yes, it has a spiritual meaning connotation in the fact of salvation has come into your life. But I just really, truly believe that when God says you're whole, he's not just talking about his spirit, man. I believe fingers grew back on that man's hands. I believe toes came back to his body, that leprosy, his nose that had been eaten up, maybe his eyesight, because that was an effect of leprosy. You would lose your eyesight. I believe things happened in his life that he wasn't just healed, he was made whole. I believe God doesn't want to just heal you through forgiveness. God wants to make you whole in that situation. And how do we do that? Each and every day, thank God for His forgiveness. Thank God for our lives. Live with an attitude of gratitude. And it will change our existence and everything about us. And I believe that through God's strength and help, because again, forgiveness recruits Him into the situation you can get to that place where you can pray for that person. And you will pray for that person, trust me. And you will pray for them. And here's how you need to pray for them. Are you ready? Pray for them the same blessing that you want God to give to you. Why does the Bible say this? Look what it says in Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you, and persecute you. Why do you think the Bible says that we're to pray for those type of people? I'm telling you why because we need to pray that they'll have a saving experience of Christ, that their life will be touched and that their heart will be completely changed. Then they'll change towards us because God will change their heart. We need to pray over them. Not yeah, I'll bless them. We're not praying that blessing. Yeah, God bless them. Lightning, boom! Come take them out. We're praying that God would bless them. Why? So God would change their hearts so they could receive the same forgiveness and the same life that we have. I've done that many times, had to pray for people. It wasn't easy to start. It's a decision, then a process. But now I can easily pray for those people that used to really be a struggle. But now I can pray for them. And I pray that God would bless them in the same way that God would bless my life. Amen? Now quickly, seven things it's not. What forgiveness isn't. Okay, what may stop us from giving? Is this okay tonight? I know we went over this Sunday. We kind of flew through it. And I just think we just need to spend a little bit more time. Get your questions. Think about those things. You can be texting them in right now. or get ready to ask those questions. So seven things forgiveness is not. Number one, it's not denying, that's the blank, or diminishing the sin. You have been wronged. We've accepted that fact. We've agreed upon that. What's happened of the wrong is real and it's serious. We understand that. So forgiveness is not belittling the wrong, but forgiveness is bringing freedom from the wrong to your life and to my life. Because in trying to show them, you're going to end up killing yourself with bitterness. So it's not denying the fact that it happened. It's not belittling or diminishing the fact it happens. But what it's saying is this. I'm not going to deny it and I'm not going to diminish it, but I'm going to release it. And I'm going to give it. So forgiveness is not denying or diminishing the sin. Point number two. It is not enabling them. That's the blank. Enabling them. Well, if I forgive them, that's just giving them another chance to hurt me again. No, no, no. Because now you're forgiven them, but you now have wisdom. You now have wisdom in your life. It's not allowing them to get off free of charge and become a repeat offender. And that's our pride speaking many times right there, because pride says we want them to hurt. Pride says, I want to be right. So when we feel that they're wrong and I'm right, and we're not willing to forgive, we're saying many times, well, I don't want to enable them or make them think that they are right. Forgiveness is not enabling them. Number three, forgiveness is not a response. That's the blank. It's not a response to an apology. It can be a response. But forgiveness needs to be deeper than I'm just sorry. It needs to be from the heart. How many times have you said I'm sorry and haven't meant it? Come on, let's be honest. We've all done it, haven't we? Many, many times. Got my hand caught in the kicky jar, sorry, but yet we're just waiting for the opportunity to put it straight back in there and just go again. Sorry and I'm sorry is, is, is bigger than just a, an em, emotional response. It's something of a choice that I need to make. And it's a choice that I make dependent, not depending upon their response. So if I say I'm sorry to them and I'm going to go and ask for forgiveness, if they slap me up the side of the face, I'm not taking my forgiveness back because I've chose to give it to them. Because my forgiveness is between me and God. So I'm going to release them. Whatever they choose to do with it, that's up to them. It's nice if they say sorry, isn't it? It's nice when they say, man, I'm sorry. But again, that's not your concern because your freedom has to be your concern. And whether they say sorry or not, so it's not just a response to an apology. It's a heartfelt thing. Number four, it's not the covering up of sin. Blank covering, covering. It's not the covering up. Of sin, Forgiveness is not excusing of wrong. At times what has happened must be exposed and brought to justice. I'm going to say this, and I know this is a broad spectrum, but I'm going to say this. If someone has broken the law, if something is against the law, criminal actions need to be reported, need to be taken care of. Because if not, it's going to affect other people too. And when we're talking about this, this one here is a big one when it comes to sexual abuse. A lot of people have been sexually abused, going through those kind of things. And so many times because of fear, we don't want to do anything about it. But what we do in trying to protect that person or stay away from that person, really what we end up doing is opening up other individuals that can fall victim and they can fall suit. You don't know how many times um, I, I know a young lady that used to come to this church... At 30 years of age, she had a baby, and it freaked her out again because she had been abused by a stepfather as a young girl. And, And she was still so bitter and angry against her mother because she told her mother what had happened. But she felt all her life that her mother had chosen him over her because her mother didn't believe her or listen to her. And she learned through those 30 years to suppress those things. But when she had her own child, and she saw that man hold her child, all of a sudden those thoughts came back and she withdrew her children and didn't want to be around him or her mother because it brought back those things to her mind. That's a big wound, I know, that many people, but I'm telling you, forgiveness can even cancel the debt of that, can take care of it. But again, if people have inflicted pain in that way and have broken the law then the laws of this nation and this world have been set in place for protection too. And we need to adhere to that and need to get the help that we need in that too. Is that okay? Number five, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting, but it is reversing. The blank there is forgetting. I can't talk about it, but... We tried to forget. We talked about it a lot on Sunday. We tried to forget, but it's hard. And many times we remember the pain more than we do the joys. We remember the the hurtful words. It's amazing. Still almost every day when I sit down to put pen to paper and, and, and just going through a book that I'm going to write this year and already started. and need to get it finished. Come on, tell me, pastor, you need to get it finished. But it's amazing, every time I sit down to write or go through, I still hear the words a teacher said to me years ago, you've got no imagination and you'll never be able to write. Isn't that amazing? All the great things of affirmation. Grew up in a home where my parents loved me and gave me everything I needed in life, but yet those words still plague me still to this day. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we don't forget. But what do we discover on Sunday because of the cross? God wants to bring such fruitfulness into our life that we will forget through the blessings that God, that we'll have the blessings that will override the hurts and the pains of the past. Number six, quickly, it's not trust. Forgiveness is not trust automatically. Listen to me. Forgiveness, trust, two very different things. Forgiveness is an immediate thing. Trust is something that may take time, if ever, to heal, it may never come back. Trust—it's a different thing. You can forgive someone without trusting them, and don't let them say that you haven't forgiven me if you don't let me straight back him up. Forgiveness is not trust; it can be, and we hope that God would heal that and repair that. But one step at a time, and remember, you control the pace. Don't let someone else control you through that. And last but not least, it is not always reconciliation. Again, touched on this with some of the other points. But you can forgive without going back to the old ways. It's not always life as normal. And I think that's a good thing to know. Because for some us, many of us, that holds us back. Because I've got to reconcile. I've got to hang out with them. I've got to be friends with them. Listen, you've got to let go of that resentment in your heart. But that doesn't mean you need to be pen pals. You don't have to be friends on Facebook. You don't have to like their posts. You don't have to be put in a bondage because, again, you're putting yourself under another bondage that God has delivered you from. Forgiveness has set you free. And now God wants us to live, yes, at peace with other people. But peace doesn't mean that we have to still be a part of their lives. There's people in my life I'm glad who are in my past. I think that's the problem sometimes with social media that people find you from your past. For some people, that's okay. But the reason why most people are in my past is because they haven't moved with me into my future. Listen to me. That's a word of revelation for some of you. And they belong exactly in the past. And that's why they're not with you today in your future. So be careful with those kind of things because it's not just meaning that we are engaged and having all that peace and being a part of their life. Anyone got any questions? Anyone got a question or anything? We've got some on, um, on that have come in through the text. And I know it's not easy for people. Megan's going to run up here, and uh, Megan's got your microphone there, so you can just read them out. And if anyone else has got any, just think about them, or you can text them in right now. You got them? Quickly, let's do it. Just press the button.
2: Okay. The first one says, if I forgive and let the hurt and anger go, does that mean I have to let them into my life?
0: I think we just answered that. You don't have to let someone back into your life. The great analogy I've used so many times, and you're probably sick of it. I can go in my neighbor's yard. His dog can bite me. I can forgive him from my side of the fence. I don't have to go back in. That's now having wisdom. That's now having a boundary. And the enemy will say, well, you've not really truly forgiven them. Yes, you have. Because forgiveness is not automatic reconciliation or trust completely restored. But what you'll find in your life is have you forgive them, that hurt and that pain that you used to have towards them will be gone. And that's what you need to focus on, the fact that God's done a healing in you and that God, and that's the important part with that.
2: Okay, question number two When you have equally done to one another a wrong, how do you tell someone you are sorry and they are forgiven without reconciling? Reconciliation could pull you back into the world of sin.
0: Okay. Again, great question. If you've done something that's wrong, one of the things I think is very good for us all to do is in every situation, take the high road. Take responsibility. It's so easy to pass the blame on other people, isn't it? so easy to say, well, the reason I'm here is because of this. We can look at a situation and maybe by mutual consent we've been drawn into that. We're both at fault with that. So what do we do moving forward? It's the same thing. We still forgive. And sometimes when we're both guilty, it's hard to say, well, who moves first? And I'll say this, the most mature one moves first. Move first. Make the move that you would wish someone would make for your life. Do those things. And when you do those things, if there is fault, if there is problems and there is a history and just all those kind of things when you ask for forgiveness again it doesn't mean now bam we have to be a part of that I've opened myself up to them again because I've gone to them and now I'm back in their lives again you establish the boundaries and the guidelines you say listen I'm coming to you to forgive but I'm telling you right now the things that we did together they were wrong they're not right I'm moving away from those things I'm not going to be a part of that because I've closed the door on my past because I'm moving into my future So take responsibility for it, which a lot of us don't want to do, because we want to say, well, they owe me the apology. Yes, they wronged you, but now who's dealing with the wrong? Who's carrying the wrong? Their sin now is your sin, and we're laboring on that point, I know. But you release that, and as you release that, you release your life forward. In in Philippians, Paul says this thing, this one thing I do. He says, I forget those things which are behind, and I press on towards the mark. Now, hold on a second. He says, one thing I do, but he says, I forget those things which are behind, and I press on. Doesn't that sound like two to you? Forgetting and propelling. Or But you know what God showed me once? Have you ever had a helium balloon in your hand? What happens if you let go of it? <coughs> it's gone, isn't it? The helium balloons. And that's what happens when we let go of those things. It's like we let go of them. Like a helium balloon, our lives propel forward. So it's one thing we forget and let go of those things. And it doesn't mean that we have to be friends. It doesn't mean that we have to move forward together because we're moving on. And, hey, if they want to come with us and they want to be a part of it in the future, praise God for that. But we're not going to allow their guilt or shame for what may have been done to hold us in a place of guilt and shame. Because God is breaking us and set us free through forgiveness. I hope that answers that question.
2: And the third question, do I have to forgive them in person? if living, or is forgiveness between God and I, not actually between me and the other person?
0: Great question. And a lot of people say this, do I have to face them? For situations, I think you do. For certain people, you have to. For a situation like I talked um, with someone today about, you can't do that after a father has died. How can you face someone who is dead? So it's not necessarily the only way you can forgive in, in any shape or means. But for some people, I think it's a great sign of growth for your life, too, that you can look at someone in the face and you can say, listen, I forgive you for what you've done. If it's too painful to look them in the face to do that, you can write a letter, you can make a call, you can send an email. But you know, someone also told me today, they said, you know what I do to forgive people? I've got a journal and I just write out my forgiveness to them. Because remember, ultimately, your forgiveness is between you and God. But if you have really hurt someone... Or someone has really hurt you. Remember what we talked about. It's a gift for you and for them. You can live in that freedom. And you can live in that release. But I believe that when you go to them personally at times. It can help them step into that freedom and release too. And I believe we can be a great example for Christ. Because people can look and say, how could you do that? How could you do that? I wished I could go into detail. But there was a situation in my life. Where I actually sat down with someone. That had done something horrifically against me. And I looked them square in the eye and I said to them this My man inside of me wants to kill you right now. But I want to tell you something right now. I'm not going to live with that bitterness and resentfulness. And I have chosen to forgive you. And I want you to know right now I have forgiven you because you are not going to control my life, you're not going to control my future. You're not going to control my destiny. My life from that time on, man, took a whole new turn. I could have been so riddled with bitterness, and it was justifiable. Let me tell you something. It was justifiable. But I chose not to let someone else's sin to become my sin. Was it hard? Yes. Was it, it's never easy, but I chose to do that. And I did it face to face with that person. I manned up, and I went to that person, and it's hard. But I'm telling you, whatever the situation and and, and just all I would say is this. We want to bring closure to that situation so we can move on. If that's something that you feel you need for closure, then take that so you can move on. Because we're forgiven and we want to move on. But if we're still open in that thing, come on, let's make sure there's closure in that. Is that okay?
2: Doesn't God require reconciliation if they are your parents? For example, being told to honor your parents.
0: Great question. Um, Great question there. You know, the bottom line is this, is this. You can honor in a way that doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be reconciliation. It's a big question because I know some of the hurts and pains with that. But I believe one of the ways that you honor your parents is by asking them for forgiveness. And you are honoring them in a situation. And that honor, therefore, doesn't then mean that the relationships have to go. As far as you're concerned, hopefully you can fix that. But if they're not in a position to change that and they're still doing the same things, there is no chance of reconciliation. Because really for a relationship to be reconciled, it has to be more than one-sided. There has to be work on both sides. So I can honor my parents by loving them, sending them Christmas cards, all that kind of stuff, the occasional texts, things like that. But that doesn't mean that I have to have my kids with them every day and go. And why? Because if they haven't changed, I'm putting my kids and myself straight back into that hurtful situation. So do you understand what I'm saying? So we're not dishonoring them. We are honored them because I forgive you and as far as I'm concerned, in my heart... But then the actual act of reconciliation is still something that has to be worked on both sides to make that right. Great question. Great question. I hope I answered that okay.
2: How do you forgive someone who demands they are justified and need no forgiveness?
0: You've got to kill your pride. You've got to kill your pride. <laughs> in circumstances as well because so many times people demand and they want that you've got to kill your pride because you're like I'm not going to forgive them if they're not going to forgive me or if they're going to, if they're going to keep saying they're right but I'm telling you right now listen to this you may say well look at them and why should I forgive them I'm telling you forgiveness cancels a debt so what you may be seeing in them right now as you forgive them God can absolutely change their heart just like he's changed your heart And it's hard to forgive someone who feels that they've done no wrong. I understand that. But at the end of the day, you're not trying to correct them. You're correcting you. And you've got to let God correct them. So your forgiveness is not a magic wand that changes them. It gives them the release. But what I'm saying is, so I'm not going to say because if I say it's not going to change them, you can't change them with your forgiveness, with money. You can't change someone. They've got to, that's between them and God. Their heart is what they So you've got to be careful that you don't allow what you think is going to happen override what God can do in a situation. And God is limitless. As we let go, as we forgive, God can turn around their heart. But sometimes we've got to kill the pride because we don't want to do it because they were the one that was wrong. And they're not the one that's going to admit fault. So why should I do it? Why should I do it? Because I'm the Christian and I'm the witness for Christ. And I'm going to be the godly example to those around.
2: Could it be said that unforgiveness, which is a form of anger and more so a form of spiritual pride, forgetting God's forgiveness for you and that person is undeserving of our forgiveness, can become so overpowering that it will cause a person to become spiritually sick, living outside of God's perfect love. For there is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out all fear. And if you're living in some form of fear in your life, fear, stress, worry, doubt, anger, etc., you are missing out on life and peace and rest, which comes only by abiding in God's perfect love. Our souls are restless till they res- repose in Thee.
0: Okay, you know, what they're talking about, I hope I'm getting this, is when we have those things in our life, what you've got to realize is this, the Bible doesn't say that if we have doubt, we're not going to make it to heaven. The Bible doesn't say we're not going to have fear. The Bible says if we've got doubt, then we're double-minded and there's going to be instability in our life. But it doesn't say we're not going to make it to heaven. But one of the things that we clearly see is that if we have unforgiveness in our heart, that will separate us from God. So when we look at the situations like that in our life, we've got to realize that we've got to make sure that we're living with forgiveness in our hearts that we've always got to have that. And, and if people around us are struggling with that and they don't have that, we've got to really pray that God would give that to them. But again, we can't control what someone else does, says, chooses to do. But we've got complete control over what we do. And that's where our focus has to be. And then we've got to trust God with the rest. But forgiveness cancels a debt. cancels the debt of wrong. And that was a long question. I hope I can't answered it.
2: How do we, I, extend forgiveness to myself. I am my worst critic or judge. It is literally destroying me inside and out.
0: Massive question. Probably one of the biggest questions we have on forgiveness. How do I forgive myself? It's very hard when you live with yourself, isn't it? Because you can forgive someone else and you maybe never have to see them. You have to be reconciled to yourself. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Can't be like split personalities that don't like you, haven't forgiven you. And it's tough, and we can joke about it, but it's very tough. But again, forgiveness cancels the debt. It cancels the debt. It then allows God to do a healing and a work inside of our lives, just like we want Him to do in someone else's life. So what we've got to do is we've got to, with ourselves, it's harder because we're maybe doing the same things. But we've got to, in the same way that we forgive other people, we've got to learn to forgive ourselves and say, God, would you give me the same grace and the mercy for myself? And when you find yourself starting to think the wrong thoughts and and go the wrong ways, you've got to stop yourself. You've got to change the channel and say, hold on a second. I've let go. And sometimes it can be tough when we've got consequences to our actions that remind us each and every day. But I really believe that God can turn around again what Satan wants to mean to purpose against us for harm. God can use it for great gain and great glory. So yes, it's hard to forgive yourself. But it's the same process. You've got to make that decision. I'm going to forgive myself. And then you've got to walk through that each and every day. And when you don't always feel forgiven, you've got to remind yourself it's not a feeling. Come on. It's not a feeling. We're living by faith. I've made that decision and I'm going to move on. And then the enemy will come and say, oh, you haven't forgiven. You're this and that. No, you remind yourself that you're forgiven and let go of those things. Tough, but you can do it with the help of God. You repent, ask God to forgive you just like you would someone else. And you go through that process. One more question. We've got to finish because it's 8 o'clock.
2: How can I ask forgiveness to someone who has passed away?
0: Great question. How can I ask forgiveness? Again, I'm so thankful that my forgiveness is not determined upon someone else saying, I accept that. And I'm glad with that. Now, sometimes people can carry the guilt because they've maybe done wrong things and they wish they could ask for forgiveness. I remember a young child, when a young man, when I did youth camp, he talked about how his family had a, a, a fire in their house, and two of his brothers were burnt to death, and he was the firefighter that actually showed up and tried to save his family, and he couldn't get them out, and along with his brothers died, and he had some resentment with them and stuff, and he just says now if he could have anything in his life, he wished he could go back and tell them he was sorry for the things that he had done. And for years that tortured him and just really plagued him with that. But I'm telling you right now, God is the one that brings the healing to our lives. It's not someone else. So even though that person's not here, we can still say, God, I need to release them from my heart. We can still repent before God and release them off the heart. Because again, it's not their response Or their acceptance that sets you free. It's between you and God, and only Christ sets you free. So we can still forgive people, even though they have passed, even though they're not able to be a part of our lives moving forward. We can still forgive them and let go of them. You got one more? Is that it? She's like, yes. How do you forgive
2: someone that keeps hurting you over and over when it is someone you cannot get away from?
0: We need to talk whoever that is. Um, Seriously, because the bottom line is this. Most of the times we can get away, it's many times that we don't want to get away. And I know that's massive. But because we we feel trapped and, and we convince ourselves with that. But we've got to get to a place that we're realizing that we really are hurting ourselves if we remain in those situations. Again, if it's a marriage situation, we're not condoning that you just get divorced and walk out. We need to counsel you with that and help you with that. But if it's not a marriage relationship, then I think you need to really look and set really strict guidelines and boundaries for your life and protect yourself. Have accountability in your life. Get other people around you to hold you accountable with that. But that is massive when people, you, you won't leave your life. But most times it's not really a case of they won't leave your life. It's probably a case that you don't want them to leave your life. And so just really ask God to help you with that. But again, we've really given a generic answers to these questions and they're great questions. And please, if you've got some questions, we're, we're here for you. We want to help you in any way possible. We've got one more. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Well, I want to close right now, and here's what I want to close with right now. Okay. Greg, you got something? Yes. Quickly then, mate. Oh. Yeah, you know, like I've been Given the mic, can you, mate? Please? Yeah, you know, like I've been following you all the way through this. Uh, like, you know, we forgive someone, and I know that we, that we forgive someone, we should pray for them. And we pray for them, we should love them. If we do not love them, do we truly forgive them? I think love, again, is a choice that we have in our lives. And, um, again, it's just a process that happens, that when we forgive them, it, that's part of the process, that love will come back for them. But, again, love is in so many shapes and forms. Love is not always huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy. That's not love. You, you can have a love for someone, but that's something that we need to pray. I, I don't know if necessary the love aspect has to be there Um, in the way that most people think, because as we forgive them, we're releasing them. But again, that reconciliation and that love doesn't necessarily have to happen. We can have that love towards them, but we don't necessarily need to get that back all the time. Um, But a great question with that. And again, it's just the process. And some of you right now are struggling saying, I've forgiven people, but man, I'm not praying that prayer yet. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. It's a process that we're walking through, and every day we're asking God to heal us and to help us with that. But again, love is another, is another response, just like trust. It's something separate. It's something different that needs to happen. And if, if it's not there, like trust, it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. If you're not there with love, it doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. There are different things that come about as a result, hopefully, of forgiveness, but sometimes they may never come. They may never come back, especially the way they were before. So many things, so many hurts. But help us. Here's the last statement I want to say. you ready? Remember this. Forgiveness never makes them right, but it always makes you free. Never makes them right, but it always makes you free. Come on, put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you right now. God, heal our hurts.